morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day. Um, we're going to teach you a new song, and it's based on Psalm 148. So I wanted to read some of it. I might actually end up reading the whole thing. <laughs> um, it's not very long, but uh, it just says, <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the skies. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all the, heaven, all the armies of heaven. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command, and they came into being. That wasn't the whole thing, but it, it was a good place to stop, and I think it... <laughs> so you would stand with us, we'll teach you this song. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Regen. My name is Stephanie, and we're so glad to have you here this morning. Um, thanks for turning your clocks forward so that you made it on time. Good work. Um, which is kind of easy at 11, let's be honest, guys. Like, we can do this. Um, yeah, yeah. Kel says you have other problems if you're not here by 11 a.m. Um, but we are so glad to have you here. Um, if this is your first time visiting us, we'd invite you to um, stop at the table um, that's on your way out in the back and fill out a hey card. Just give us your name, your phone number, your email, and um, we'd love to just uh, connect with you through our weekly emails, which just kind of lets you know what's going on here at Regen. Um, and you can also get a free mug, which is just our gift to you for being here this morning. Um, there's a few different ways that we, um, are, we interrupt people's lives with the love and grace of Jesus, which is what we're passionate about here at Regen. And um, one of them is through our check-ins. So our check-ins this month are for Camp OYO, which is a camp for um, students who are either hard of hearing or deaf. And um, we have someone here at Regen, Anna, who is a part of that community as a sign um, language interpreter. And so um, we would love for you to check in with hashtag RegenGives. And then our one thing that we do, which is also, we've been talking a little bit um, this year about up, in, and out, our different relationships, our relationship up with God, which is a lot of what we do here on Sunday mornings and through um, our men's and women's Bible studies. We also have our in, which is our feasts, um, and then we have our out. And one of our outs for this month is going to be the Easter egg hunt. So that's going to be um, Saturday, uh, the 24th at 3 p.m. And so I just realized that I forgot the sign-up sheet that I was supposed to bring from home, but you can still see Caitlin um, after the service and let her know if you're interested in being um, an egg distributor putting out eggs, it's a fancy name, um, or a greeter, um, or we can just find something else for you to do. So we would love to have you join us. We'll actually meet at 1.30 on that Saturday to get ready, and then uh, the egg hunt will be at 3 p.m. And for those of you who have filled eggs and brought them back, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We couldn't do all that without you. Um, and then um, one of our in rhythms is going to be next Sunday after the service, we're going to have Discover Your Gifts, which um, you'll get to just look at your own spiritual gifts and see how God wants to use you in particular to interrupt people's lives with his love and grace. So um, we'll have lunch after. Um, you can sign up on Facebook. You can see me after, or you can just let next week. Our mic is kind of, do I need to hold it up like this? Okay. I feel like a pop star. <laughs> Except for I'm just doing announcements, so it feels a little pretentious. I'm so cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, his uncle, who is of a certain age, says I look like Katy Perry. <laughs> I don't think that's... We'll take what we can get, let's be honest. Um, all right, I think on that note that that's all the announcements that I have after all of that, so I'm going to turn it over to Aaron. Hi, good morning. We're going to go back into worship, and we're going to take an offering, so if you'd like to pray, this would be a great time to do that. 
Hi, God. Thank you for bringing us all together here. Thank you for um, assembling the army here in, uh, in your church. Um, we just ask that as we prepare to um, make an offering to you, that you would cultivate in us a heart um, of gratitude for the things that we have. Um, and uh, we just ask that you would bless us today in worship as we bless you. Father, we, um, we come before you today uh, with the wide variety of our experiences this week. Um, what encouraged us, what discouraged us, what hurt us, what gave us life. God, we bring all of this to you. And Jesus, what we want to do this morning is we want to invite you to sift through that with us. Help us to notice what we, are pay- what we need to be paying attention to more. What are we paying attention to in an anxious way? God, call our attention to yourself in the midst of our lives. We don't just want to be smarter. We don't want to be more knowledgeable. What we want, Jesus, is more of you. We want you to have more of us today. And so, um, God, would everything that is said and prayed and done this morning point to you in that way? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Hey, welcome to Regen. My name is Kyle. I get to be the pastor here. And I say that every week, not because I like to remind you who the boss is, although if it works, that's great. Um, But just because every week we have friends and family that don't know there are friends or family yet uh, joining us on a week-to-week basis. And uh, that's today. That's us moving more and more toward Easter Um, We totally expect our family to grow, and so that's why um, we have uh, put some stuff together for you to invite with. Last week, we had invites to our egg hunt and Palm Sunday, and there might be some randomly floating around. I don't know, and if not, we can find you more. Uh, And then we also have these today, which are invites to our Easter Sunday service. Um, Easter's no joke. Um, And here's, we had a conversation at my wife and I, and I said, I think I want balloons everywhere on Easter Sunday. And she said, so like three or four bouquets. And I said, no, 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 you didn't hear me. I want balloons everywhere. And she's like, so everywhere. I was like, everywhere. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want balloons because it's Easter and it's a super awesome celebration. And that'll be Sunday morning at 1115 on April Fool's Day, April 1st. And we put these together for you to invite your friends and family together. And we'll have more of these outside. Maybe I'm going to recruit them. But Jairus, could you just have these as people are leaving? Um, so that, uh, please take three or four of these and don't throw them away or like let them get buried in your car, but go ahead and hand one of these to like a coworker or a family member or a friend. We are going to put so many chairs in here. It'll make your eyeballs bleed. It'll be crazy. So don't worry about having a space to sit. It's going to be a really great Sunday. Um, so Holy week for us is egg hunt on Sunday, on Saturday, the 24th at three. Um, then on the 25th, uh, we will have, um, you know what, I need to send the kids out with Miss Caitlin. So kids, you go while I'm talking about this. How about that? Okay. So as I talk about, egg hunt on the 24th. Sunday the 25th is Palm Sunday, which is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. And Rodeo the Donkey uh, will be here after worship. And if you have not had a miniature donkey, he's a real live donkey. I'm not bringing like a picture of a donkey or an inflatable donkey. No. Rodeo the Donkey 
as precious as can be will be here that Sunday on the 25th. So, and then um, Good Friday, which is the Friday before Easter, uh, we'll have a service here at 7 p.m., uh, one of the things that we're doing, if you're a singer, we're building a combined choir between this campus and our Grace campus for that one night. So if that at all intrigues you, talk to me or Steph. But Good Friday is for us probably one of the most solemn things that we do all year. I don't want to say religious, but it is the most reflective thing that we do all year. And uh, I figured out my sermon title for that is Calling All Fools which works because it's April Fool's Day weekend. I don't know if you've heard that yet. So, um, And then Easter's no joke on Sunday at 11.15. After that Sunday on April 8th, I'm really excited. We're going to be starting a new series called Getting Past Your Past, um, which is going to be really good and super practical, and it'll be similar to the prayer series where you'll kind of be given some tools to work through in the midst of the week on what that looks like. You will get to do a genogram, and it's going to change your life. Um, you'll find out more about that later. Uh, I want to introduce to you Danny the intern. So Danny, why don't you come up here? We're going to get you situated. How many of you were attending Regen regularly when Danny the intern was our intern? So like less than half, okay? Uh, Danny was our intern in the summer of 2016 when we were still on Sunday nights. Um, And uh, then he did a really awesome thing. Situate yourself. You're good. You just, you just, you're good. Um, He did a really awesome thing and started dating this girl named Kat. And so Kat was our children's ministry intern last summer, and we liked her better than you. I know. Yeah. And everybody um, does. So uh, Kat's fiance, Danny, we're trying to do this, not Danny's fiance, Kat. Kat's fiance, Danny, is a good friend of mine. And uh, Danny and Kat, I'm going to do their wedding on May 18th up in Michigan, and then they're going to come back and be the intern's dresser all summer with us. So Danny and I, one of the things I learned that summer when Danny was interning with me is that I don't like being by myself. And like, I could just make Danny be with me all the time. It was fun. It was really good for me. It was really good for my extrovert. Um, Now Steph works for me. So like she has to do that, but watch out. You're going to get shoved out of the way. And Danny's coming back. Pray for Steph. And then pray for me. Danny's coming back. And she'll have Kat. So Kat will be doing children's ministry and running our summer camps uh, over the, the summer camp we're doing at this location over the course of our summer. Danny and I will be preaching a lot together and then a number of other things. And um, it would not be, especially at this campus, unlikely that if you needed to meet one-on-one with me, you would end up meeting one-on-one with Danny. It would not be unlikely, surprise. It would not be unlikely that if you were in the hospital that Danny would go and not me because by the end of the summer, he's really going to, in effect, be like living into the fullness of what it means to be a pastor. He is, and Kat are, he and Kat are, are students at the Moody Bible Institute. Go Archers. Um, There's three of us, right? Me, Sarah, and Steph. And uh, we're excited about that, and we're excited about their marriage. And uh, Danny and I had coffee this week, and the fifth letter, the the fifth letter of these seven letters is a lot like the first letter. And I was kind of saying to the Lord, like, I don't know how to preach a new sermon on what feels very similar content. And then I had lunch with Danny, and I said, you don't feel like preaching this week, do you? And because he's a Moody Bible Institute student who has already written a multiple-page paper on this very text, he had no excuse not to say yes. I couldn't say no. So he's doing that. So I'm going to pray for you, and then Danny's going to take it away. God, thanks for Dan, and thanks for Kat, and thanks for what you're doing in their lives, and thanks that we get to be a part of it. Um, Just having them here, even at Grace Campus, is just getting me so excited about this summer and walking together through what we have. God, I pray for them as they prepare uh, for their wedding, that they would prepare more for a marriage than they would a one-off event. 
um, that, that, God, you would be in the midst of them their whole lives long. God, I pray that you would be in Danny's midst, even as he shares these words this morning, that you would give him clarity and courage to speak truth to us, knowing that um, when the truth is spoken in love, that is the way that we grow up to be more like Jesus. And so help us today to learn what it is to hear your voice, even as Danny speaks to us. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, guys. Uh, Regen has changed a lot since I've been here last. You guys have fancy TVs. Uh, it's not at nighttime anymore. It's during the day. Um, hallelujah to that. Yeah, Kyle loves that. Um, there's a lot of new people here. So thank you for that introduction, Kyle. I appreciate it. And I'm really jealous I won't be able to make it to the Easter events that uh, Rodeo the Donkey, is that his name? So it kind of reminds me a lot of like Little Sebastian, if you've ever seen yes. Parks and Rec, right? Yes. So uh, since I won't be able to be here, make sure you come down and pet the donkey for me or whatever you do with donkeys. So, okay. Uh, I should probably get into the, the message now, right? So we're going to continue the series on Revelation and uh, have some slides. I don't know. If, oh. Yep, they're up there. Okay. Uh, we're just going to read through the text first together. So if you would open your Bible with me, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. We're going to be talking about the church at Sardis. And we're going to read the passage from beginning to end. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into it after that. Again, that is Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it reads this. I have the ESV. It says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And when you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The ones who conquer will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. This is the passage we're going to be working with today, and the title of the sermon is The Walking Dead. Uh, when some of you hear The Walking Dead, you might think of these people. Um, it was very hard to find a picture of them without weapons. I'm just going to say, it, it took me about a half hour. So here's a picture of them all smiley and nice, and if you don't know what The Walking Dead is, it's a, it's a show that's been on for I don't know how many years, I don't really watch it, but it's about zombies and gross stuff like that, people dying, coming back to life, uh, all that stuff. But today when we're talking about the walking dead, um, we're going to be talking about something different. It might look a little different. What, what the word of God has to tell us today is the walking dead could look like this. Or like this. Or even like this. We come to our text this morning and there's a serious warning from our Savior. He comes to us and, and he's, he's telling us that we could be doing these things, these very things, and be spiritually dead while doing them. 
And so I know this, this might seem like a weird place to talk about it, but there's no better place than church to talk about this, right? So uh, let's, let's see what the text has to say for us today. Let's get into some background. If this is your first time here at Regen, uh, I want to let you know uh, what's going on in the book of Revelation. It was written by the Apostle Paul, who was exiled to the island of Patmos, which is just, or Apostle John, thank you, who was exiled to Patmos, just southwest of modern-day Turkey. And there he received this vision, this revelation from God about what God intended to do with his church in the future, even up through our times now, right? And there uh, he writes these seven churches as part of this. And the word revelation, it comes from a Greek term, apocalypse, which really just means revealing or unveiling. And in our, our circumstances, when we're talking about the seven churches, God is revealing his perspective, what he thinks on the circumstances that they're in during that time. Right? And the, there's seven churches, that number is significant. Uh, and the ancient writing literary style, seven was like a number used to illustrate completion or co- total complete work. Right? So the seven churches could be talking about the complete and total church of God, which still includes us today. So these words uh, that we're going to read are, are not just for the church of Sardis, though it's very much for them at that time. It's very much for us in our lives now, too. So let's get right into the text. Let's look at the first thing uh, Jesus has to say to us. He says this. Next slide. He says, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive but you're dead. Now, if you've been following with Kyle the past couple of weeks, you've probably maybe picked up on a pattern if you're looking close enough that when Jesus is talking to these churches, he'll say something like nice and encouraging, and then, then he'll say something like, this is what you need to work on. This is what's bad, right? Like for Ephesians, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. To Smyrna, he says, I know your suffering, but endure through it and fear not. To Thyatira, he says, I know your works, your love, and your faith, your service, and patient endurance. But to Sardis, he just goes straight into it. He says, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. He's very blunt. And as I was preparing this, I began to realize why Kyle asked me to preach this message today. Of course, I'm kidding, but let's really see what Jesus is doing here. Let's, let's look at what he's not doing first. What he's not doing is he's not, he's not saying things and worrying about if it's going to offend people. He's not saying things and worrying if it fits into the culture that they're living in. He's not worried uh, if it's going to make them sad, right? What, what is Jesus doing here? What Jesus is doing here is he's telling them not what they want to hear. No, he's telling them what they need to hear. And this is very characteristic of our Lord, is it not? I mean, think of the gospel message at its core. The gospel message at its core sometimes is not something that we want to hear. Uh, To give you an example, Jesus doesn't come to us and say, you are living a great life. Look at all the good you're doing. Just add me to it. He doesn't look at me and go, Danny, you were such a good kid growing up and you're so good now that just add a little bit of me, add a little, a little bit of Jesus in there, and I can show you how your life could be better. Right? Jesus doesn't do that. No, the gospel message is not that. First he comes and he tells us 
how sinful we are. He tells us that we're twisted, we're corrupt, right? We're wretched, we're poor, that there's something not right in us. It's not something we want to hear. I don't know anybody who wants to be told they're not perfect. I don't know anyone who wants to be told about their debt, their uh, sin. But Jesus meets us there first. He tells us how sinful we are. He shows it to us. And he does this so that we know why we need him. He tells us what we need to hear so we know why we need a savior. Not because we're good, our life is good, and Jesus just makes it a little bit better, but because our life is far worse than we'd ever imagine and like to admit, and that he enters into that. Because of what he's done for us, he brings us out of that, right? Tells us what we need to hear, and he's doing the same thing here with the church of Sardis. So let's look at what he looks past, right? He looks right past their works. He looks looks uh, right past what they're doing as a church, right past what the community says about them, what culture says about the church. He goes straight to their heart. Now I have a question. Can a church look alive and be dead? Yes. A lot of people shook your heads. I, I'm guessing that means we're well aware that this is possible. There's thousands of churches. There's churches with hundreds and thousands of people, right? Filled, excited, coming there on a Sunday morning. But they're dead. What could it look like to be dead? Is it when maybe there's hidden sin that they'd rather not show? Maybe parts of our lives that we don't want Jesus to touch. We just think it's too dirty or we want to keep it hidden. Is it this idea of complacency with where we're at in our walk with Christ? I've been a Christian for a while now. I'm so familiar with it. I've heard every message imaginable. It's not much more I can do from here. Not much more God can change in me. Is it when our motivations aren't right? When our motivations for doing the things for God are selfish gain and what makes me look good or what makes me like friendly with everyone else. These things can cause us to be spiritually dead. But what causes that? Let's look back to the text. Let's see what Jesus has to say next. In verses two through three, he says this. He says, wake up, and strengthen what remains and what is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. So what happened to the church of Sardis? Well, uh, according to, to the scriptures here, they, they were leaving what they first heard, leaving the truth of the gospel, leaving who they were as a church at the very core. They were walking away from that. They're walking away from this idea that Jesus doesn't just want some of them. Jesus doesn't want their works. Jesus wants all of them. I I don't want you to miss that, that. That Jesus doesn't just want their good. He doesn't just want their bad. He doesn't just want the things they do. He wants every part of their life. And that's what he's doing for us today. And can, can I say something radical here? That, that Jesus doesn't care what works a church is doing. If, if the people 
in the, in the church are spiritually dead. This could be said about us on an individual level as well, not just as a church community, but uh, we can volunteer. We can do the church thing. We can, we can pray. But if we do this all with a heart that is not transformed by God, a heart that's not turned towards him constantly, an unrepentant heart, we can do these things spiritually dead. And there's a reason why it's a warning, because this happens to us all too often. I'm guilty of this. We might even fool ourselves, guys. We could have ourselves fooled, thinking that, oh, well, I can just go to church, and that'll make me right with God. Or, oh, I can go volunteer, and that will make me right with God. Or, oh, I sin, so I better make up by, for praying extra, Right? We can have ourselves fooled that, you know, this salvation is something on our own works, but really, when it comes down to it, God knows our heart. God sees right through sometimes things that we can't see through. And as scary as that is, it is a good thing. It is a great thing. Because Jesus shows us this. He shows us these parts of our lives so that we can be aware of them. You see, we can understand what Jesus did for us in our head, right? We can know that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, right? Was buried and rose again to new life. We can know this in our heads. We can know what the scriptures say on this, but we can leave without it changing us, without it changing our hearts. It could just be mere knowledge, and that's, what not, that's not what Jesus wants. He wants our all. You see, sometimes we come to church and we meet Jesus here, right? We're surrounded by our brothers and sisters and faith. And we're expected to be blocked out this time for Jesus. And we walk in the doors and we see Jesus here. And as we're walking out the door, we're just about to leave, we can kind of see like, Jesus behind us, like trailing us, right? behind our shoulder and as we leave we turn around and we go oh oh uh jesus uh how about we meet here same place same time next week same time let's just do do this again next week i know you want to be a part of my life i know you want to walk with me throughout the week but i've scheduled this time for you, you i mean i'm just really busy this week i mean that's so my papers right i have to do extra hours at work or uh, same time next week jesus Right? And, and we do this because it's too inconvenient for us to bring him into our lives. It's, it's too inconvenient for him to carve out more time during our week. It's too inconvenient for us to take Jesus with us to our workplace. It's too inconvenient for us when Jesus is saying something radically, radically different than what our culture is telling us. It's far too inconvenient when Jesus shows us sin in our lives that he wants us to deal with for our own good. But we hold on to it so tightly. And so because of these fears, we just tell Jesus, same time again next week. I'll see you at church. And in doing so, we become content with church just being a way of doing good, a way to volunteer, a way to hear a good message, nod our heads, agree, thank the pastor afterwards, and, ne- and leave never letting it change our hearts, never letting it go home with us. 
And he tells us what we need to hear today, which is this. And Jesus doesn't just want part of you. No, he wants all of you. He wants you when you're at work. He wants you when you're with family. He wants you when you're at home. He wants you when you're asleep. He wants you when you're eating. He wants, he wants you in your sin. He wants all of you. He wants your heart. So don't leave Jesus on church on a Sunday morning because when we do that, we can become spiritually dead. And when the, ch- the people in the church are spiritually dead, then the church is dead. And when the church is dead, she loses her greatest witness to the rest of the world, which is showing the world what it's like to truly, truly be alive. Let's look at some implications of this. Jesus has more warning for us this morning, so let's get into that. The next thing he says is this. He says, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Here, Jesus is saying something very personal to the church of Sardis. Very, very personal. Because when he says this, an image would have been brought to their mind that they learned about their city's history. You see, Sardis was built on a cliffside, right? And they had this gate that guarded. It was the only way into the city and it was the only way out of the city. So they were very well protected. No one could get through this gate because even it was on top of a hill. And so they prided themselves on this, but about 600 BC, their enemy was coming towards their gate. And unknown to them sent 15 men, just 15 men, to scale up the cliffside, come up into the city, pass by all the guards who were content with the wall that they had built to protect themselves. Content with that, they walked by, opened the gates from the inside, and the entire city was sieged within days. They would have thought of this, but they would have thought of it even more because 300 years later, under new leadership, Same thing. Their enemy comes to them at the gates. And they forgot their very own tactics. I mean, they're focused on the army at the gates while that army sends a few men around back who scale the cliff sides, walk by the guards who are content, walk by the guards who are not being watchful. They open the gates from the inside and the whole city was sieged again. Two times this happened. So when Jesus says that he will come like a thief, it would bring this to their minds. Right? And Jesus is doing this because he's warning them not to be like the guards who were on duty that day. Right? The guards who weren't being watchful. He's telling them to recognize when this complacency comes into their spiritual life. When you're complacent where you're at in your walk with Christ. When, when you're this Christian thing just becomes a thing we do because it's cool and our friends are it and I grew up with it or da-da-da-da-da, right? You name it. He's telling us that we need to recognize these things, that we need to repent of these things, that we need to return to the truth that we first knew. 
or that is, that is recognized when we become complacent with our walk with Christ or maybe when we hide sin in our life or don't want to touch that area. We need to repent of it, bring it to God, confess it to him and our brothers and sisters in Christ and then return to the truth that we first knew is that God wants all of us. He wants every part of us. Right? Sometimes I think we have this idea where you know, we can only give Jesus our good, right? I mean, this is something that I, I, the past couple of years, Jesus has really been working in my life in this way because I would look at the areas of my life that I thought were good. I would say, okay, Jesus, this is good enough for you to see, this right here. You can have this. You can, you can work with this, but don't look back here. There's a lot of stuff back here and it's dark, and it's messy, and I don't want you to see that. Right? We can do this. We don't want Jesus to touch that part of our lives, whether it's out of shame, whether it's out of not wanting to let go of that part of our lives. We can do this. Jesus wants that. He wants all of you. Don't want you to miss that there's responsibility on our, on our part. He's telling us to be watchful, to be alert, Right? unlike the guards, to, to know when this is happening. And sometimes uh, in church we hear things like this and we think, well, if God really wants to do this in my life, then he'll do it. I'll trust him to do it, right? It's like a Christian compound, right? Like, oh, yeah, I feel, I feel that. I feel that right here. Well, if you did it now, you'll do it later, right? Well, here's the thing. Jesus gives us these words in Scripture. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a warning so that we could just Say, okay, God, you're going to take care of it. No, he, he, we are participants in our faith. We participate in this. That's what he invites us to do. There's responsibility on our part. I know some of you might be thinking, wow, Danny, thanks for coming and preaching a depressing message on your one message here, right? Like we live in Warren, Ohio, for goodness sake. We wake up, it's cloudy. We go to bed, it's cloudy. And uh, we just want some sh- sunshine at church, right? So where's the hope? I'm here to tell you that there is hope. There's always hope with the gospel. There's always hope because here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just give us this warning, right? He doesn't just point out these areas in our lives and say, all right, I'll be over here. You go figure that out on your own. Come get me with your, when you're done and we'll, we'll move forward, right? He doesn't do that. No, no, he offers us his hand, right? He offers his help. He wants to save us from where we're at in our lives, right? Jesus cares about you. He cares about me enough not to let you stay the way you are, not to let you stay the way that you were, right? That's the hope of the gospel that we have is that we don't become a Christian and stay exactly the same until the day we die. Now we just have some Jesus in our life. Right? He changes us. He wants your life to change, to, to serve him, to honor him. We talk a lot about interrupting people's lives with the love and, and grace of Jesus. Sometimes he interrupts our lives 
And when he does that, we get a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not the most convenient time for us. Sometimes it's the busiest week of our lives. And he meets us there. He gives us something like this. He tells us an area we want to work on, an area that we need to be watchful in. And we're just like, you don't understand. This is the worst time. We put it in a box. We put it away. We'll say we'll bring it out later. And like a dusty box in the attic, we never bring it back out. Jesus interrupts our lives for our own good. So this is not a sad message this morning. This is a great message to hear. And I urge you, if you're feeling you know, a tug from the Spirit, if he's pointing out things in your life that you'd rather not show him, now's the time to work on those. Let's look even further in. Jesus has some great things to say next. He says these things. He goes, To the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Wow. Can you just take a minute to imagine that with me? Right, something we kind of lost using our imagination. But try to wrap your brain around this. I can't seem to do it. That Jesus, the, the man who lived perfectly according to God's law, right? Who, who, the only one who deserves to have this communion with God. The only one who deserves to be in God's presence for eternity. That Jesus, very God himself in flesh, who went to the cross, carried your sins your sins before you were a Christian, the sins that he knew you would commit after you profess his name and claim to follow him. He took those sins, wore them on his body as he bled on the cross. He took them into the grave with him. And three days later, rose again to new life. He left them in the grave. And he invites us into that new life. That Jesus who did all of that out of love for us. Even though we don't deserve it, he will someday look at us before the Father and he will say, this is my child. I love her. I love him. I know they did not live a perfect life. I know that they are sinful and very selfish, but I love them. They are mine. He's going to confess our name to the Father. Our name will be written and is written in the book of life. This is a hope. This is the hope that we have as followers of Jesus, right? That someday we will get to this point, Right? And we will inherit something that we could have never earned ourselves and share presence with God for the rest of eternity. Can't even imagine. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so great when we get there. And he says that those who conquered will be clothed in white garments. And a lot of times when we think of these, we think of like purity, right? White is a, a symbol of purity. But for the, the city of Sardis, when they would have a military victory, everyone would clothe themselves in white garments. Right? The streets would be flooded with, with you know, silky white robes and people joyously celebrating because of this victory. And so even in this, 
It's a military victory for the one who conquers. Right? Jesus is reminding us that we have a real enemy, a real enemy, who seeks to, to devour us and, and to trip us up. Right? He would rather us be content with our Christian walk, to be complacent with where we're at. He would rather you and I not want to deal with the sin in our lives because it's just too painful or it's just too controlling or it's just become a habit by now, right? He would rather our motivations not be checked about the things that we do, right? He'd rather have these things happen so that we could sneak up the side of the cliff, take over the city. And this is what Jesus is warning us for. He's not warning us to condemn us, right? He's warning us so that we can be ready, so that we can be watchful, so that we can be prepared more than the guards of Sardis at that time, so that we can know these things, right? We can see when the sin starts coming up in my life. We can see when this starts happening here, right? When I no longer think I need to change, when I don't want to give Jesus all of me. And we can recognize that. We can repent of that, bring it to God. And then we can return to what we first knew, which is that Jesus doesn't want some of you. He doesn't just want a part of you. He doesn't want little pieces of your life, little little slots of your time on a Sunday morning. No, he wants to be with you throughout your week, every waking moment every sleeping moment. He wants you. So church, strengthen what you have. Be diligent to recognize this issue of complacency. Right? Repent of it and return to what you were first taught. Jesus wants all of you. Let's pray. Generally, Father God, uh, we come before you today as a church family and we are just so thankful for your word. God, we thank you that you often don't tell us what we want to hear. God, you tell us what we need to hear so that we know why we need you. Lord, I pray that you will help us not be complacent with where we're at, God, because if we're not growing, we're dying. Lord, I pray that you will continue to help us grow into who you want us to be. Help us be watchful for these things and remind us that we don't do this on our own. You're with us every step of the way. Praise be to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I was struck by this idea of <clears throat> that there's hope in this, that in the midst of what is complacency for us, that um, Jesus um, doesn't kind of just like look down his nose and say, get your crap together and we'll talk when you're done. Um, he offer, Danny said he offers his help and his hand. He offers us his grace, and that's why we come back to this table every week, is because this is a tangible, tangible means, literal, not valley girl literal, but like I can touch it and smell it and taste it, that I can smell and touch and taste the help he gives me. It's not just ideas, it's not just hard work, that there is help and grace available to us and for us as we fight against this complacency and it sneaks up and, and I think God has been doing a shift in my life where the things that sneak up where those used to kind of speak to me of shame and failure 
it, it now seems more like a garden. It just so happens that there's a weed that needs pulled. It just so happens that there's a branch that needs pruned. It just so happens, and this is the help that he gives us, right? And, and so he comes to us at this table and offers us himself. If Jesus asks for all of us, it's not that he isn't giving all of himself in return. When Jesus, and it's not that he doesn't make an offer first, which is why when you come to the table, we give you the bread, you don't take it. Because we're always trying to be reminded of what Jesus has offered first, which is entirely himself. And now I need to go off the mic so I can do this part. I was just reminded, uh, Paul says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor heart could conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. What is on the other side of complacency is more of Jesus. And what's inside of more of Jesus surpasses imagination, surpasses our desires, and ultimately satisfies. Danny said, felt bad for preaching a hard sermon. We preached on sex last week. Like, anything after that was easy peasy, you know? So anyway, I love you so much. Uh, We will see you next weekend. Peace.